But then when I started to get like really quiet with myself and I was like, okay, like you're drinking as much as you used to drink. Like this is not moderation. This is, you're just drinking again. Um, That was when I started to be like, okay, this needs to go. Welcome to the show that drops in on people's moments of clarity surrounding their choice to not drink. I'm Kate Madry, and I'm so happy you're here. Sobriety is like a thumbprint, and just like your skincare routine or your self-care routine, everyone's sober care routine is very different. By the end of each conversation, you'll leave with a little bit more insight to help guide you while building your sober care routine. This is a Clear-Headed Podcast. This conversation with Elizabeth, the founder and CEO of Absence of Proof, was so good. Her story and journey is, like everybody else, so unique. But what we really find common ground on is that we're both in the business of a booze-free life and showcasing just how elevated, tailored, and intentional it can be. We dive into the business side of things, what to do when you're triggered, and how to navigate substituting one overindulgence for the next. I want to jump in with kind of like the question that I ask everyone, which is if you can take me back to the moment when you realized alcohol was no longer serving you, what was that like for you? Yeah, you know, it's it's a great question. And for me, it started very early. So I started drinking probably when I was 15, 16 was when I really started to party. Um, and it was also other things besides just alcohol. I'm from Seattle. And so weed is like incredibly prominent here. And so I just went full board stoner, um, full on drinking. And, you know, I didn't see anything wrong with it. That was like the cool thing to do. I was like, this is normal for my age, whatever, whatever. And then when I was 18, all my friends were like going to colleges and like getting into these great schools and like really moving on with their lives. And that was not a reality for me because I was dealing with the consequences of my own actions. Like I didn't prioritize school. I prioritized partying and I didn't have the grades to get into any of the colleges I want to. I didn't prioritize taking like the SAT or ACT. And that was the first time in my life where I was like, wait, if I continue on this path, like this is the rest of my life. Like I will never achieve the things that I just kind of always assumed would happen. Um, so it was a big reality check and I completely cut out alcohol when I was 19. Um, or maybe 18 for the first time. I, the, that time period is kind of blurry, but basically I was like, I'm done with this. Like I'm going to go completely sober for a year and just see how my life changes. Because while I knew that there were several factors in my life that were not good, um, I was like, let's start with the easy one. Like everyone knows alcohol is bad. <laughs> let's just remove that and see what happens. So I was sober for a year And in that year, like my life completely transformed. I mean, you know, the power of removing alcohol, it's crazy. Like the time that you get back, the energy, the like a lot, like reflection capabilities. Um, And so in that year, like I got my yoga certification instructor thing. I like got my grades up to go to the college that I wanted to go to. Like all these things started to align. And then when that year was over, I was like, why would I reincorporate something that was clearly holding me back? Um, So then I was sober for two more years. And then in my early 20s, I had pretty much achieved like all that I had wanted. Like I had gotten my, the dream job that I wanted. I had healthy relationships. Everything was good to go. And so I was like, well, I'm in my young 20s. Let me see if I can moderate alcohol. It's been several years. Um, And I actually feel like I had an okay relationship with it. It was definitely not detrimental to the point that it was in my teens. Um, So I drank like I mean, in moderation, which then creeps up to being daily when you're living in New York and LA, I'm sure is similar, but 
Um, but yeah, and so then I just hit a point um, about a, a little over a year ago where I was like, okay, I have these big dreams for my life. I know that alcohol is actively preventing me from achieving them. Like it just has no place in my life. So that's when I went alcohol free again. And uh, it's so funny because now my whole business and life is about being alcohol free, which I, I love. Yeah, I know. Same, same. But like, wow, what a – I mean, those are such formative years and like already when you're like 18, 19, 17, 15, like I feel like – Every week, I was a different person. I was changing. I was evolving. Um, mm-hmm. I started drinking when I was 15 too. And I do think that young drinking is definitely more uh, ex- acceptable or – I mean, at least it was when we were in that age. Now, the younger generation is like, why would I – do that and I'm like exactly you got the right answer absolutely absolutely yep Mm -hmm. that's perfectly right um what was your passion like when you went back to school what did you study and did you have that kind of clarity on what you wanted professionally when you were you know, at that age where your friends are applying to colleges and knowing what they want to do, did you have that or, or not so much? So at the time when I was drinking, I really didn't, like I had no priorities. It was like, my priorities were like, what's the party this weekend? What boy am I pursuing? (laughs) Like it was just, there's no future thinking, which I think is common for teenagers, but then it's amplified when you like cloud it with drugs and alcohol. Um, and so uh, I ended up going to art school because I felt like I've always been into art and videography and all of those things. And it was a school where you could basically just get in, like you didn't have to have good grades or anything like that. So I was like, okay, at least I'm going to college. Like I'll go to art school, see how that goes. And art school was not for me. Like I realized that I was actually not that good at art. <laughs> and like, while it was really fun, I was like, it was so funny. I was like in classes with kids that like can actually paint. And then it would be like me with my stick figures. And I'd be like, what am I doing here? And I'm paying so much money to be yeah. here. Um, so yeah, so that wasn't great. But what I will say is that I took a sociology class at art school and I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, I love people. I love social groups. If there's one thing I am, it's like an extrovert. Like, I just want to talk to people and understand people. And so that really set me on a path of like, okay, I think I want to study this. And I didn't have the grades to get into like a college that actually would teach sociology. So I went to community college. I dropped out of art school, went to community college um, until I got the grades that I needed to to transfer into University of Washington, um, which is where I studied sociology and graduated. Um, And I was sober at UW. And what was really cool about that was that was when I started to be like, wait, I think I actually want to do something with my life. Like, let's let's like play around and figure out what it is. So um, I actually started a YouTube channel at that point, which is what taught me all about content creation, which is like a very big part of my business now. So um, yeah, it's crazy how all that stuff comes full circle. It really does. And like, there is no longer this like timeline expectancy of like, okay, you're supposed to know what you want to do. And then you get out of high school and then you go to college and then you get the grades and then you do the thing. And then you have this like long career for your whole life. Then you retire and you kick your feet up and you go to like, oh, hi. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's just, it's like not how it works anymore. And I think sometimes that can be kind of scary because not to bring up my therapist, but she's so great. No, I love, we love her. We love (laughs) Megan. Um, But I was just talking with her about it yesterday 
especially with like the industry that we're in now, it's so new and there are no roadmaps and we're kind of writing them for other people. But at the same time, every journey is so different that Mm -hmm. it is this kind of freeing feeling of, okay, no, there's kind of like no wrong answers, but there's also like not a distinct right. And that can feel really overwhelming sometimes to just not have something to look to, to be like, okay, if I do this, do that, do that then I'll get this perfect result. And it's kind of how like not drinking is too. Really nothing has a full foolproof guide, you know? Mm -hmm. When when you started doing moderate drinking and kind of experimenting with that, which is so I think such an important part of most people's journeys with deciding ultimately or not, you know, to not have alcohol in their world – what do you like what was that like going back to this like ex boyfriend lover who had just, once just been so not good and then i don't know like i just feel like that must be mind blowing coming back and being like okay it's not they were not that bad they're actually maybe they've evolved maybe they're better maybe i'm the problem maybe it was just me thing maybe i was just young like did you ask yourself those questions have those realizations i definitely definitely did yeah absolutely and i think it was really interesting because i had carried a lot of shame around my teenage years i don't know if you've ever felt that with with yours but I I just really, once I got my stuff together, I was like, how could I have been like Mm -hmm. that? Like, that's so embarrassing. Like, I just, I just really had a lot of like resentment toward my younger self, which is so sad to think about now because I'm like, she's a child, Mm -hmm. like she didn't know better. Um, But my relationship with alcohol definitely changed when I was in my early 20s because I I was like, when I'm an adult, like, I think I carried myself differently. I was like, I'm going to, you know, drink more responsibly or whatever, um, I think it was also much more socially acceptable to drink the same amount that I was drinking as a teenager, just as an adult. Yeah. Like New York, I mean, it is, I don't know if you've spent much time there, but like you're going out every single day. It's happy hours after work. It's parties on the weekends. It's drinking at brunch and that's just okay. And so it's like a city full of like highly functioning alcohol. Like it really is crazy how much people drink there. And so it was very normalized and very okay. But then when I started to get like really quiet with myself And I was like, okay, like, you're drinking as much as you used to drink. Like, this is not moderation. This is, you're just drinking again. Um, That was when I started to be like, okay, this needs to go. Um, But, but yeah, I think it's, I, I do actually believe, at least for myself, that if I were to drink, I would be able to drink in like, have a drink every once in a while. But for me, it's like, but why? Mm -hmm. Like, why? What is that adding? Like, what is the necessity? necessity of doing that yeah the answer is there is none yeah and kind of like the risk reward factor of it um to prove what like to prove what I don't need I don't need to yeah it's a really beautiful place to be um totally when you I think it's interesting what you say oh sorry no no go (laughs) what do you think is interesting about me Um, I want to (laughs) hear I know I I think it's really interesting um what you were saying is like, um, the, uh, oh, what do you have to prove? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that when I did start drinking in moderation, it was like, I was proving to myself that I wasn't 
an alcoholic or I didn't need to be sober. I didn't have this thing that could have the power to control my life. And I think what I'm learning now is like, one, it's okay if you are. And two, like, it's so much more empowering to be like, yeah, I just don't need that than to be like, oh, well, I need to prove to people that I can't. And it's like, literally why? But I think that was a big motivation for the 21, 22 year old drinking. Yeah, totally. I went through that same thing too of the the proving it by doing the bad thing, <laughs> like proving I have control right. over it's it. Like so weird. And, I, and, and it made so much sense in my mind at the time. Like, and now I look back and I just go, oh, 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 yeah. if I just could take any message and regurgitate it to a younger version myself be like you really don't have anything you have to prove because guess what the the thing that you're trying to prove it to the bottle you know the tequila the like whatever you're trying to like puff your chest up to to show it has no control like it doesn't care it really doesn't care (laughs) so um that's a great way of putting it, it It's But it takes so long and I think it takes like clarity really and looking back on anything of course in life but specifically with like not drinking. I think you have to look back and see to fully see, you know, to fully get it. Um, totally. I love that you said when you got quiet with yourself because that is, whoa, hard to do, real hard to do. Yes. Um, yeah. I think for a lot of people – or really, I guess I can speak for myself only, but getting quiet with myself was like my biggest challenge. And my biggest hurdle of why it took me so long in kind of like the discovery phase of, I think this isn't good for me, but I don't want to admit it, or I have things going on internally, things I want to face. Were you always comfortable being quiet with yourself and do you think that was maybe because you had spent a good chunk of the time you know 18 19 until you attempted moderation where most people are like super like numbed out almost in society because they're not like sitting in their feelings and sitting in that like do you think that that had anything Mm -hmm. to do with your ability to sit and be quiet so easily? Definitely. I think um, one thing I'm very fortunate is I found therapy, shout out, uh, very young. So I started going to therapy when I was 16, um, which is so funny because my therapy sessions back then were just like, yeah, I got messed up last night. And she'd be like, do you think that's good for you? And you're like, I don't know. (laughs) And then I'd go back the next week. And it took several years to be like, oh, wait, this is what you were implying the whole time. Maybe this isn't great for me. Um, But I think that I've been blessed to like, I, I learned those skills very young. Um, and so even when I was being self-destructive, I kind of knew that I was being self-destructive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest challenge for a lot of people is like identifying like this actually isn't great. Um, and then the next step is actually doing something about it. Um, but my mom always tells me this thing, which I, I love the quote is it says, what are you, what are you pretending that you don't know is true? Um, and I think that's like when you ask yourself going through anything, it's like, oh God, I just got so called out. Like, because if you ask yourself, like if you're drinking and you're like, what am I pretending that I don't know is true? What you know is true is that you shouldn't be drinking. Like, but you, you always like, you know, your brain tricks you into thinking that, 
or m- making excuses for mm-hmm. yourself. And so when you ask yourself that question, it's just you get hit in the face with the truth. Yeah. Oof. That's a hard one. Go mom for asking that. I know. I mean, it's never wow. fun, but um, having you know, you mentioned that like shame with your childhood was something that you had thought about often. And I always feel, I really believe, you know, shame doesn't breed evolution like kindness does. And I feel like, do you feel like you're kinder with yourself now? And how did you make that transition? Or are you still making that transition? How how do you reframe that to yourself? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's something that I'm still working on. I think you know, for me, I felt not to therapy dump, but I a lot of my 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 stuff comes from you know feeling like my family gave me everything, right? They gave me all of the opportunities. They sent me to all the best schools, and I was so selfish to go throw that away. And so that's a lot of my shame is like, how could I have been giving literally everything? I'm like the most privileged person in the world, and I decided to go drink and party and do drugs and not take advantage of all these amazing resources that I had. And so I think that now I've come a lot more to peace with it because I'm very proud of like what I've accomplished and, and what we're doing with absence and my previous career and all these things um, that, that it felt like it kind of made up for those things. But at the same time, now it's this like hyper fixation on my success, which is equally unhealthy I know. <laughs> where now it's like, you know, if absence doesn't hit X, like I'm very numbers oriented and, you know, I found myself being very competitive, which is very toxic and all of these things that I don't want, but it's coming from a place of like, I just want to prove that like, I didn't waste what I was given. Yeah. Um, I so it, I think it's a journey. I think it's weekly therapy. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I sit with a lot of the same resources of like, just ample privilege and okay, what are we going to do with it now? Now that you're like, you're quiet with yourself and you it's your responsibility, my responsibility, everybody's responsibility. When you have resources, knowledge, power, access, you need to go do something good with it and then help other people gain that as well. And it is like a balance because you don't want to shame yourself into something that could, I don't know, like give the underbelly of the purpose this like not pure motivation um yeah but I appreciate the honesty on just like yeah it is it is like a in progress type sitch I mean yeah I think everything is too like we're all imperfect people and I I think too like you know absence I know what I know for sure is that what we're doing is actually really helping people and it would not exist without those hard yeah. times so it's like both can be yeah, true yeah totally you know it's also like kind of a good thing just to keep in business. Like maybe these annoyances or turbulent days, weeks, freaking months, um, you know, <laughs> quarters. Like Sarah and I will lay in bed and we'll like turn and be like, okay, quiet for 10 minutes. And then I'll be like, are you asleep? And she's like, no, I'm thinking about how we're going to do it. I'm like, yes, exactly. It is all consuming. And I don't know, maybe that's because maybe inherently we're meant to be all consuming or all all consumed people. And maybe are just what we're consuming has pivoted from booze and substances to like work. It still to me is healthier 
you know, like healthier than the yeah. alternative. Um, totally. I think that's a really good uh, identification is that like you can substitute one addiction or one yeah, all consuming thing with another and that like that is it's a healthier version and also it should be something that you continue to work yeah. on. Like for me, it's like, you know, having boundaries with work. I've been like on um, slow living TikTok and YouTube and I'm like, that is so nice. Like they just, oh, it's amazing. It's a, it's a better world. Like it's just like they live in cottages and they just wake up and like take their time and they still have careers like they're YouTubers and things like that. But they're like, yeah, I'm going to respond to this email when I feel ready. And it's like, what a concept. What a freaking concept. <laughs> like, um. And so I completely agree. It's like I, I don't want to replace one addiction with another and it's okay to, to, to do that in the short term, but how can we consciously be still healing from addiction, even if that addiction is something that society applauds totally. like working? Yeah. Oof. Okay, I'm going to look up slow living. Oh, it's great. It's, it's like therapy just watching these oh videos. Oh gosh, they're like in a meadow – picking berries yes Yes, it's like all homemade food it's like let's be mindful it's all what a stark difference I'm like in the shower making voice notes (laughs) I know I know it's yeah it's a lot um I want to talk about business because I I want to kind of similarly ask like what your moment of clarity was around absence absence of proof how did that start it's has it hit its one year? Not yet. We're at, I think, eight months. That's wild. Baby. Baby. I'm clear as baby too. But like, uh, and okay, take me from the top. Take me from the top. What was your aha moment in your business? Yeah. So stop drinking about a little over a year ago. So January of last year. Um, and a big, honestly, motivation for drinking was like, I know I want to start a company. Like I had no idea what it was going to be, but I was like, I was working at Amazon, super grateful for my time there. But I was like, this is not where I want to be doing in five years. Like I got to do my own thing. Um, and living in New York, like it's very, very, I mean, it's very expensive. Like LA, like it's very hard to actually make that move. And so I was like, I need to get really intentional and get everything in my life on my side. If I'm going to have any shot at doing this. Um, so then when I stopped drinking, I, I really just started playing with a, a bunch of different ideas. I was thinking about like a wellness collective, all of the things that I'm really passionate about, um, something with yoga. And then I was talking to my friend, Georgia, who's brilliant. She's also a founder. And she was like, think about what you care most about. And then what is most like underserved. And she was like, what about this non-alcoholic thing? Like, you are all about that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm all about that. But what can I do in that? And um, and so then we were just like non-alcoholic bar. And again, you can't just open a non-alcoholic bar in New York without like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, so I was like, okay, what's like the what's the hodgepodge, scrappy way to do this? Um, and the answer was pop-ups. And I feel super grateful for, for having that, like having to do it cheap. Because now we're like a nationwide events company, which before we might have just had a singular location of a bar. And so this is much more aligned with what I want to do is like, I want to curate experiences. Mm-hmm. I'm not like an operator. Yeah. Like I would probably destroy a bar if I ran it. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's worked out. And, um, and then we just started throwing more and more parties and um, super fortunate to, to have teams in different cities now that can help with the expansion. So as you know, we did LA um, a couple weeks ago and then we have Seattle on Friday, um, and then followed by Detroit uh, and DC and Connecticut, which I'm excited for. So 
just just sending it, it as they say. Full send and so exciting, and I so admire you for. Thank you. I mean, everything. It's all. It's like so. Not that like living an alcohol-free, sober lifestyle was like new to you at all because now we've established you did that for a good amount of time at the beginning of adulthood essentially. Mm -hmm. But even still like I felt – I'm curious if you felt what I felt with the kind of like raw – rawness of what feelings are even though you maybe had – a better grasp at what feelings her anxiety was like um, than I did. But like that's just so much to put on your plate and then to balance the plate very well and not only balance the plate but continue to add. Like how do you navigate that overwhelmingness or do you even get overwhelmed like where's your head at where's your head I'm at like, I'm like um you should have been in my mental breakdown yesterday like <laughs> I um, missed it too no it, it's so funny that you say managing it well because that is not something that I consider uh one of my skills mm-hmm. is um is stress management it's something that I've actually had to really work on because we talked about this at the beginning of the call but I've been extremely ill lately and um it's definitely a culmination of of the stress of the cortisol levels and um the extreme overwhelm and um one thing that i have been focused on and again working on in therapy is like uh, have you seen that tiktok where it's like it's just not that serious Mm. like that's kind of where i'm at is like Mm. yes this is really cool and there's a lot of pressure but like at the end of the day i'm just throwing parties yeah so when I say it like that, it takes it takes away this like overwhelming sense of dread of like what if I mess it up or what if someone doesn't have fun or what if, you know, my business fails or all of these things that are constantly churning. I mean, there's never a second of that not being present in my brain. It takes it away and, and, and turns it to being like, okay, so what? Like, so what if no one shows up to your birthday party? Okay. You throw another one, you know? So it's like, it takes away some of that seriousness, which has been very helpful for yeah. me. Um but it's a constant skill. And then I think also like learning how to delegate and learning that like you're allowed to ask for help and like you make money at an event so that you can hire help at the next one. And like, that's not, it's not shameful to not do it all. Um, I think when I first started, I had this thing of like, I want to be a you know powerful female founder and show the world that I can do this on my own and all this stuff. And it's like, it's, you don't get extra bonus points for like killing yourself doing something. Totally. Like, you know, you can have way more impact if you actually do lean on help and build a team. And it's been amazing. Um, just having assistance has been amazing. Like, so anyway, long-winded answer to your question. No, not I think a long-winded I'm still answer. answer. I mean, it was a little, like a big question. So I appreciate that. It's, it, it is, it is overwhelming. It is good to ask for assistance and help. And delegation I've found too is like the biggest tool in like a business toolkit I didn't go to business school okay. I'm still not in business school I'm still trying to figure out how to make this a full business so but it doesn't yeah. matter at any stage that you're in even I feel like kick it back to high school or middle school when you would break up into groups and the teacher would say like you all need to break this assignment up and decide who's doing what like it is such an important tool and Mm-hmm. We could take it out of business and say even when you're still trying to kind of the the business of your personal life of what is this new found social life that I'm going to be, you know, dealing with? What kind of friends am I going to have? What is my sober care routine going to look like? What is my health goals? What is my 
go-to, non-out drink, all of that can also be like delegated to resources and platforms and podcasts and books and delegation I think is just like such a incredible thing and muscle to like continually work on and mm-hmm. you also said totally. like intention was really how it started and like what what can I do what can I how can I be additive in this space um do you ever find yourself going back to kind of that same core message or that same answer when you feel like lost or unsure of your next move or even overwhelmed? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, going back to the why of why you're doing anything is like what's going to keep you going. I think, um, you know, transitioning this from something that I did on the weekends to now being what pays my bills has been honestly very tough because it's now the money matters. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's not as like, I just want to throw a sober party. And like, if I make money, great. If I don't, great. It's like, no, I have to pay my bills. Um, And so that's been really tough being in a business that I'm very personally passionate about and and feeling like I just want to give to this community. Um, But I think that like, you know, I found myself getting very in the weeds with the finances or making money or expansion or whatever, but getting back to like, I'm doing this because I want to create social environments for people that don't want to drink. Like that's the why. And when you, when you know that you're successful at that, the rest of it doesn't matter as much. It's like, okay, yes, I make much less money than I did when I was in corporate America, but I'm doing something much more important. Mm -hmm. And when you think about like your broader existential life, like that's what I want to choose every time. Yeah. I, it's there's so many overlaps between like how to how you're going about your business and these kind of reminders and lessons that you're learning and that can all be implemented when somebody is trying to not drink or sober curious or you know trying to do a 30-day challenge. However, like I think if you start anything, even if it's a workout goal with like why am I doing this? At the end of the day, if you turn yeah. back to your why and you've succeeded at that why, then that's what you can take with gratitude and like let that fuel you moving forward. So I, that's okay. incredible. Um, I want to wrap up this short, sweet, packed talk. I feel like we just went right into therapy <laughs> and we're coming mean, right out with clarity I and I love it. Um Typically, I ask what is in your sober care routine currently, but I also want to ask what do you think is the most important thing in a drink Um, because that is like your expertise and what like are you really into something right now? Like are you really vibing with a certain flavor profile or kind of ice cube? (laughs) Like who knows? Um, oh my gosh, I need to get more creative with my ice cubes. Ooh, I will send you some molds. Uh, <laughs> They're so fun. Yes, I know. I, I've been seeing all the flowers in the ice cube on Pinterest yes. and I'm like, I need to up my game. I just like, did it. Okay, and let me tell up. you the trick to it because it was really hard, Sarah, and I okay. just did it. I promise I'll, re- I'll recourse us back onto this final question, but it is important because I wish somebody would have said it on a podcast <laughs> that I listened to. The trick is when you're filling the ice cube tray, 
first put water halfway or like a quarter of the way, then add the flour, first freeze that, and then add the rest of the water. Otherwise, the flowers float. So you take it kind of like in business, just like a little bit at a time. Every day of no drinking, just a little bit at a time. See how it does. And then add some more. We're really on theme here with like the layers and the steps. Yes. No, I love it. I think, um, yeah, in terms of my favorite drink, I mean, I, I've been really back to my slow living. I've been really wanting to like host dinner parties and just like be at home in a wholesome environment with my friends. And I think non-alcoholic wine goes really good with that. Like I used to be all about wine. Like I love good food, good wine, all of that. Um, so I've been experimenting with a lot of those. Um, Shirley, which I'm sure you know, is awesome. I also just like love their team. Um, but Prima Pave is awesome. Um, and yeah, I just think like having a glass of wine with dinner is very, it just like warms my heart. So I love doing that. Um, and then in terms of my sober care routine, I mean, to be completely honest, I think it, for me, when I think about like my, the things that I'm actively combating, it's less about like, I have this urge to drink and it's more just like my holistic mental health. And like when my holistic mental health is compromised, that's when I'm at risk of reincorporating substitute, uh, substances. So um yoga is huge for me um very very important practice and then also meditation and then recently uh, recently I mean like yesterday I started I've been doing morning pages which is where yes. like you wake up and fill three pages of your journal are you every doing day. the yeah. artist and way that, I'm like this is... so I'm not doing the whole book my mom got it she's reading it first and then I'm gonna borrow it <laughs> um Amazing. but I read about that in there's this book called buy yourself the fucking lilies yeah you read that one I've I've Listen yes. to the audiobook. And she talks about it. Oh my gosh. Yes, it's so good. Tara Schuster wrote that She's book. She's hilarious. She's incredible. Yeah. I think she actually just And she came talks out. about her journey with um, Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She doesn't I don't think she drinks. I know like one her rock bottom point was like a very explicit rock bottom point yes. in her book. So um definitely read that. But but yeah, I would just say like maintaining my mental health is number one for maintaining any sort of sobriety. Yes. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, Of course. This was so fun. Life is a party, and I'm happy to be at the party you're creating, you're throwing. And uh, I can't wait to attend many, many nights of clarity with your delicious drinks and maybe a dinner party. Yes. Yes, I know. That's definitely, I want to launch a dinner party. I'm like, I want to do everything. Like, let's just, I just want to party with no alcohol all day long. Do it. We, I've got some tips and yummy recipes for you to use when you need it. Amazing. Okay. Well, next time I'm in LA, we'll definitely hang. Okay, good. Thank you so much. Thanks. For more guidance on building your sober care routine, head to clearheaded.co or follow us on Instagram at clearheaded.co.